1: From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, how California's Major League teams are faring during this unusual season. Tonight, the Oakland Athletics take on the San Diego Padres. The A's first game after a positive COVID-19 test forced the team to postpone a series in Seattle. We'll talk with Oakland Athletics President Dave Cavill about playing baseball in the age of coronavirus and the team's role in speaking out against racism. Then, before the hour is up, we'll hear why New York Times opinion columnist Farhad Manju is doomsday prepping for the end of democracy. Forum is next after this news. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. All five California Major League teams are playing tonight in California with a cross-state matchup between the San Diego Padres and the A's in Oakland. This baseball season has been anything but conventional and not just because of the coronavirus. Teams sat out games last week in protest of systemic racism and the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Joining me now is LA Times sports reporter Bill Shakin. And if you, our listeners, also want to quickly weigh in with your thoughts on how MLB has handled this year's challenges from the virus to players sitting out games in protest. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also reach us on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Bill thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. And so... For those of us who haven't been able to watch as much baseball as we'd like, can you just remind us how different this season is? I mean, from the number of games to the virus.
2: Well, no one is watching baseball in person. The stadiums are empty, trying to keep people from catching the virus. Teams have health and safety protocols that have been updated as the season has gone along. Because unlike the NBA and the NHL, which gathered people in bubbles, tested them, and got them into a secure space, Major League Baseball is trying to play through a regular season. Everybody plays in their home ballpark, and they've told players, go home after the game. When you're on the road, go to the hotel. Don't go anywhere else. They've had a couple of outbreaks. They've had to tighten the protocols. But it looks like at this point they've managed to figure out how to get through the end of a season.
1: Get through the end of a season, and it is a much shorter season, right?
2: Yes, it's 60 games. There were a couple months, March, April, where really nobody knew what was happening with the progress of the virus and if we could ever play again. Then there was about a two-month negotiation between players and owners about the terms under which the season would be played, both health and safety terms and economic terms, what the players would be paid. And ultimately at the end of July, it was game on.
1: So how has it been playing out? I mean, are injuries, for example, playing more or less of a role this season since it's shorter or, you know, with all the double headers, it's kind of unclear. And and what teams do you feel like maybe this this setup favors potentially?
2: Well, the injuries are up certainly among the pitchers because spring training normally is six weeks. Everybody hates it, but you have to go that long because that's how long it takes a starting pitcher to get ready. And this year, when everybody came back for what was cheekily called summer camp, it was three weeks. And so pitchers are getting hurt in increased numbers than they would have been over, say, the first month or two last year. Uh, As far as what teams are being helped, Um, Right now, what we can see pretty much is the good teams are the good teams. And the Dodgers certainly are the class of the National League. The A's are one of the best teams in the American League. And certainly we have a good chance for an all-California World Series.
1: Well, uh, and in terms of the playoffs, I mean, what's the league's plan for the playoffs? Is the bubble thing still an option?
2: The bubble thing for the postseason is an option. Because if you look, for example at what just happened with the A's. There was a positive test early on this season. Major League Baseball would have said, well, it's just one positive test. Let's keep playing. And what they've learned was, no, first you have to wait to make sure there's no outbreak, and then you can keep playing. So the A's got shut down for a few days. Well, in the playoffs, you can't really do that. So they're going to go to the bubble format most likely. They haven't announced it officially. And they've also, because of that, essentially eliminated home field advantage. You know, over the years, you want to get the best record you can so you can have more games at your ballpark than anywhere else. But because of the bubble, that's not going to really matter. You're just going to be off at some neutral site with no fans anyway and hoping for the best.
1: Wow. Well, we're talking with Bill Shaken, staff writer for the L.A. Times covering baseball and sports business. We're talking about baseball in the age of coronavirus and the role of sports teams during this unprecedented pandemic. And if you want to weigh in, you can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Again, the number 866-733-6786. I mean, speaking of all of this, I have to wonder, will the, the winner, the ultimate winner of the World Series, will they have an asterisk next to them because it was such a different season?
2: They might, but I think the general feeling is everybody's playing under the same rules. So you might not be the best team over a six-month season, but you are the best team over a two-month season. And I can tell you from you know growing up in Los Angeles that the Dodgers won the World Series in 1981 when there was a player strike that wiped out two months in the middle of the season. And nobody after the Dodgers won said, huh, asterisk. Everybody went to the parade and cheered. The downside, of course, is this year, nobody's going to be able to have a parade.
1: Well, this listener tweets, I look forward to hearing how the A's are stepping up and not expecting just their fans to help out their minor league coach. Of course, this is in reference to minor league coach Webster Garrison, who's fighting COVID-19 and his wife starting a GoFundMe campaign to help with challenges. I mean, it's, it's an interesting point about the A's. And, and I mean, is it the, fully the team's responsibility? Does the MLB have a role here?
2: Well, they don't really have a pandemic playbook. Everything, they're sort of learning as they go along. So early in the season, uh, Major League Baseball asked teams to commit to pay their minor league players and commit to not getting Uh, rid of too many staff members or furloughing them, but that was eased as time went on, and people could see that the pandemic was going to last for a bit longer maybe than people had thought in the spring. And after that, it's pretty much been up to the teams to do what they wish to do. And I know Dave's coming on after me, so (laughs) I can't speak specifically to what happened to the A's, but I know he can.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you did write a, a very moving piece, I thought, last week that was headlined, MLB Created Jackie Robinson Day, but the NBA is showing how to honor it. And I was wondering how MLB in a way didn't show up in your view.
2: Well, they have their traditional ceremonies for Jackie Robinson Day and commemorate being the sport in North America that broke the color barrier. And they do things with scholarships and they've done a lot with urban youth academies to try and revitalize african-american participation in baseball but when the protests hit um over the jacob blake shooting the nba players were right on it and they went right to their bosses and said we're not playing unless we get some action and it seemed like a slam dunk to borrow a basketball term for major league baseball to say hey it's jackie robinson day so let's go ahead and announced that we're going to use all our ballparks as voting centers, as polling places. The Dodgers already had done that. The Washington Nationals had done that. The St. Louis Cardinals are looking into it. Why not just say everywhere we can do it, we will and just make it happen. And not only did Major League Baseball miss the chance to do it on Jackie Robinson Day, but the NBA announced that very same thing on that very same day.
1: Well, do you think, I mean, I guess I'm curious what you think about the MLB generally, and and whether it will always kind of be a follower of other sports leagues on social justice issues.
2: Well, I I don't know for sure. And I think that varies from issue to issue. Um, But certainly in the NBA, the players are more accustomed to hearing their voices on social justice issues than baseball players have been traditionally. Um, There's lots of reasons for that, but I think everybody could see that players are now finding their voice and using it. And what happened when players decided not to play? Really nothing. People heard them. They weren't punished in any way. And I think the leagues and the teams and the players all agree now that there is a platform they can use that maybe they need to do a better job of using.
1: Do you think, what role do you think the f- baseball fans play? I mean, I don't know how different they are from NBA fans or WNBA fans, for example, but:
2: um, Hard to say. Um, WNBA usually has been a bit ahead of everybody else on this.
1: Well, this listener writes, what are some of the things teams are doing to make it feel like there are fans in the stadium? We've seen the cardboard fan cutouts. What else are they doing?
2: Well, not a lot, really, because, again, there are no fans. The one thing you can sense, whether you're at a game in person or you're on TV, is that they're pumping in crowd noise. It pumps up the players a little bit, and also it kind of provides some atmosphere if you're watching on television. But yeah, a fake
1: Well, how's it been for you even just watching on television, right? I mean, I think we've realized just how much... You know, panning over the stadium, all that, all the kind of fan activity is so much a part of the game. Yeah,
2: it is. And everybody's trying to do the best they can this year. So maybe learning a little bit about better presentations of the the sport on television and uh, you can use that going forward
1: yeah and in a related question the listener writes what are some of the things that MLb do you think has learned this season with dealing with the pandemic and social justice issues that they'll carry on to future seasons you see any of that uh reflection going on bill shaken
2: absolutely i mean everybody learns everything from what they've done before and i think uh, both the combination of social justice issues and uh, what we're doing with Health and safety will inform going forward.
1: Well, Bill Shaken, really appreciate having you on today. Thanks so much for talking with us. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. <laughs> bye bye. Bill Shakin is a staff writer for the Los Angeles Times covering baseball and sports business. And we'll have more about baseball just after the break. We're talking about baseball in the age of coronavirus and the role of sports teams during these unprecedented times. And we want to know from you, our listeners, are you watching the MLB this season? What's it been like Uh, Generally for you, do you think the MLB has handled the challenges from the coronavirus and other issues? How do you feel about players becoming more and more politically outspoken? Give us a call, the number 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. I'm Mina Kim. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The Oakland A's, who stand at the top of their division, will take the field for the first time tonight since a positive coronavirus case forced the team to postpone a series in Seattle. Off the field, the team has also been making news. They set out a game last week in protest of systemic racism and joined other Bay Area sports teams earlier in the month in supporting Prop 16, which would repeal a ban on affirmative action in hiring and college admissions. Joining me now is Oakland Athletics President... Dave Cavill, thanks so much for being with us.
3: Oh, thanks so much for having me.
1: I guess the best place to start is, how's the team doing, given that they've become the latest team to miss a significant stretch of games because of a positive coronavirus test?
3: Well, I think we're excited to get back on the field tonight and play baseball. Um, It's certainly been a long week, um, but I think it's shown the success of the MLB protocols, that we only had one individual test positive, I think um, both the league as well as our team and our head athletic trainer and the entire staff did a really good job of you know, following the directions and ensuring it didn't spread and just making sure that health and safety was the number one priority. And now we're back on the field and uh, can focus on baseball.
1: Yeah, well, and I'd like to do that, though. I do wonder, you know, what we probably don't know, what you think. Fans and others really don't know about what teams are going through this season as a result of all the changes and the stress of the pandemic.
3: Well, I mean, I think you have to modify your behavior as a human being in ways that are very unusual because, you know, we're all social creatures and we want to, you know, hang out in the clubhouse and play cards and, you know, enjoy, you know, stories and eat together and. Those are all things that are not available in this scenario um, because we want to be super safe and ensure that if anyone does have the virus, it doesn't spread. And so I think it's just very difficult to, um, you know, modify those behaviors It goes against the way people are kind of hardwired. But I think I'll give our team and the other teams in the league, a tremendous amount of credit that they're doing that to ensure the health and safety, to ensure that we can play baseball and bring the excitement to our fans and, maybe have a little distraction in a really difficult year for the for country.
1: Well, we've got calls coming in, and I'll start with Rick in Oakland. Hi, Rick. Join us.
0: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm well. You're on. Go right ahead.
0: Well, I've, I'm very happy that the
2: players are speaking out, and I think uh, players and fans are both united on feeling like something serious has to be done about institutional racism. I think in most of these clubs, it's the billionaire owners who really don't care about that and mainly are just worried about the bottom line. So there is some, some struggle between them, but uh, I'm very proud of the, the A's players. And, of course, Doolittle, who left, was one of our first um, people who was, who was great on that, that kind of thing. And we had a catcher who kneeled last year or the year before, and he got isolated and attacked, but actually he was right, too. So I think uh, we're entering a new era, which is very exciting.
1: Huh, th- thanks so much, Rick. I mean, would love to get your thoughts on that, Dave Cavill. I mean, right now, you know, you're not just running a baseball team, but also trying to make a social impact. What do you think is a sports team's role now, you know, on issues of social justice, on issues specifically now of systemic racism and, and protests against police violence?
3: Well, I think, you know, obviously our community, Oakland, has been at the forefront, maybe the vanguard of, you know, bringing up issues for generations, you know, whether it was the Black Panthers or the protest movement in Berkeley and Oakland. And so we have a long history that, you know, we need to have a sense of responsibility for the way that our community views these issues. And that's why we've been extremely supportive of our players going back to Bruce Maxwell, who was the first major league baseball player to take Mm -hmm. a knee. And also this year with the protests against police brutality and systematic racism, we wanted to do everything we can to support those efforts to ensure that our voice and, and that our organization can be part of bringing real change, uh, whether that is education and the speaker series and listening series that we have like through our website for our fans or the actions of our players in supporting their efforts, uh, both on opening day and also with the two games that we sat out. So we're going to continue to do that. That's, you know, kind of in our DNA. And uh, we're hopeful that it can actually bring the type of change that is needed
1: in our community, and our country right now. Well, talk about the decision to advocate for, you know, a pretty controversial ballot measure repealing Prop 209, the ban on affirmative action uh, by coming out in support of Prop 16 this November. I mean, can you talk about what was behind that?
3: Well, that's another area where we feel that we can lend our voice and the voice of the other professional sports teams uh, in a way that deals with systematic racism and allows um, for, you know, civic organizations and and also uh, public entities um, to consider, um, you know, race when they're actually making decisions. And I think that's very powerful. And I think that could be part of the solution. And we're hopeful that, you know, our uh, advocacy can make some difference and, and hopefully have it pass and, We'll continue to do that over the next couple months until the election.
1: And do you mostly hear like what you heard from caller Rick, general support for speaking out and uh, for teams advocating for ballot measures, for example? Or do you still hear from a lot of, I I don't know how best to describe it, but just the traditional view that really, you know, sports and politics shouldn't mix?
3: I think we hear everything. You know, one thing about being uh, in the public eye and being a community-based organization is that you, know, you are a lot of times the central point to have these discussions with different points of view, which I think is healthy. I've seen that in our ballpark process in Oakland, it's, and sometimes there's debate and opposition. But as long as people can have a healthy dialogue about these topics and can debate them at a public forum, um, I think it's fine. And I think you know, people are going to have different views. It just needs to be done in a um, respectful fashion, Um, a civil fashion, and in a way that can actually lead to an open debate. And and I hope that the Prop 6 can can obviously continue that and and be a representation of it.
1: Well, let me go next to caller Sam in Guerneville. Hi, Sam.
3: Oh, hi. Um, I was just calling to comment about watching baseball on TV.
1: Yeah, how's that been for you?
3: Well, you know, we got back from the fires recently and settled back in. And um, I have to say that I'm surprised at how normal it is to watch ah. baseball on TV. If you kind of blur your eyes a little bit, it, um, it feels comfortingly normal. And, you know, what a year to need something normal.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Sam. Um, your reaction to that, to that, Dave, and also what is it like to be at the ballpark these days um i understand you're one of the few people who's physically there <laughs> how has it been in yeah, terms no, of it's, experience it's for you it's seeing definitely
3: these weird <laughs> i go to all the games i'll be at the game tonight and um you know obviously i'm there with whatever 12,000 cutouts from the players and you know, obviously David <laughs> right. Forrest, our general manager but it's it's an odd feeling it's, it's a little kind of um just surreal and um dystopian a little bit But I think the way that we're presenting the game for television with, you know, bringing in the crowd sound, you know, we've had our most diehard fans lay down drum tracks that you can hear during the broadcast. We have the voice of Tom Hanks, who is, you know, saying, you know, popcorn, get your popcorn, get your peanuts. And so all that comes together in the audio. And then you have the game at the Coliseum. So, you know, it feels as much like a regular game as you can make it uh, on television. And I think that is important. It was great to hear the... Um, Caller or discuss the sentiment because that's what we're trying to go for. We're trying to give people a little bit of joy back, a little bit of normalcy and something that they can actually, um, you know, kind of engage in, in that way. And, you know, we're doing everything we can to do that. We have the cutout where people can actually have the picture of themselves in the, in the stands, which is kind of a fun way to connect as well. And I think it's just been great to get that type of feedback.
1: Well, I want to give a quick shout out to KQED's Nina Thorson, who has done some of that pre-recorded fan sound and drumming. I believe she is one, I'm being told right now, by our
3: producers. she is. And she does a great job. And it really (laughs) makes a difference. And I got a call from the league and they said we had the best sound. And I said, no, we got the best fan. And that's what (laughs) makes that happen.
1: Well, how has it been for the players, though, with all those cutouts and pre-recorded fan sound? I mean, does it help, hurt? There was that funny joke by one of the players about how the A's are are used to not having a lot of fans in the stands anyway.
3: Well, we have such a big stadium, so, you know, sometimes we'll have ten or 15,000 fans and it still seems pretty empty. But, you know, I think the unique nature of our fan base, the flags, the banners, which are all out there at the Coliseum, the Let's Go Oakland chants, the pizza chance, all these types of things um, makes for the experience that people really have come to love over all these years. Um, so I think for the players, I think it's been good to have that as well. And that gives us a home field advantage. We've played extremely well at the Coliseum. Uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to play some playoff games there too. And, you know, while it's different than having the fans there, at least there are some threads or remnants of it to, to give people that sense. And the players that sense. Uh, of what it means to play at home in Oakland.
1: Well, Kimberly writes, I don't miss the fans in the stadium. I get so tired of watching baseball and the camera goes to someone's kid eating ice cream or someone dressed like a goober. (laughs) I'd rather watch the grass grow on the field. Actually, I'd really like to hear the action on the field like you can at spring training. And then Steve asks, what concrete steps is MLB taking to increase the diversity of its executive and on the field management? Hmm. Any insights?
3: Well, I think that's a really important uh, initiative, both at the league level and at the team level. You know, we've had a diversity and inclusion task force for, for quite some time. Um, but we need to do better and we need to, you know, grow the outreach at every level, whether it's Um, black players or players of, you know, different backgrounds, a front office scouting. Um, And I think hopefully that baseball can be a leader and show how other businesses can tackle that and increase its diversity, which can be a strength because especially in Oakland, we want to reflect our, and while we've made some strides at doing that uh, in the front office, we want to do that on the field. We want to do that everywhere in the organization um, because that's an important part of who we are and, and how we reflect
1: the town. Well, here are some stats that my producer is sending me. 38.5% of MLB players identify as Latino, African-American, or Asian as of opening day 2016, and yet just 13% of the general managers and less than 1% of the owners and managers are of color. This was reported in the undefeated. Well, let me go next to caller Don in Oakland. Hi, Don.
2: Yeah, hi. First of all, I have no problem with uh, Black Lives Matter protests among baseball players, but my question is a little bit more mundane. Now, I can imagine—I mean, I understand—in previous years,
1: um, local games like the Giants and the A's, when they're telecast, being blocked out for this blacked out for this area. But I cannot understand why they're blacked out now when nobody can go to the stands to the to the game in person anyway. Thanks, Don. Did you know about that? I wasn't aware of that. Dave Cavill.
3: Well, you know, obviously we have a deal with um, NBC California and the Giants have a deal with NBC Bay Area where, you know, the games are on cable television. So neither one of the teams has really been on over the air television for quite some time um, because it's part of, you know, cable television and the rights related to that. You know, there are other avenues, whether it's YouTube TV or Hulu and things like that for people to stream the games as well, Um, and that's something that, you know, hopefully is a little more affordable and and approachable to people. But, you know, the um, listener is right. You know, we want to do everything we can to get our content out there, to get the games out there, um, and to have them on TV. You know, obviously we have a a radio partnership as well um, on Bloomberg Radio, um, and we're just trying to make sure that people can engage baseball at this moment uh, while also respecting kind of the channels and business relationships that we have. Uh, both at the team level and at the league level.
1: Well, this listener writes, has the pandemic derailed the planning for a major development proposal around the new stadium, including housing and commercial space? What is the timing for such plans to move forward?
3: No, it hasn't derailed at all. It's actually accelerated some of the approvals and negotiations with the city. Um, You know, we have two projects, you know, one at the waterfront where our new privately funded ballpark will be built at Howard Terminal next to Jack London Square and there'll be a ballpark village uh, around that with things like affordable housing and commercial real estate and retail and then we also have our plans to you know redevelop and and kind of you know honor East Oakland and you know, keep the arena and you know bring kind of a new vision for that part of the city that was informed with a lot of input from East Oaklanders And so both those things are still moving forward. You know, sometimes you can't have public meetings and stuff with COVID, so there are areas that are slowing down, but there are areas that are speeding up with some of the approvals. And um, so we're we're doing everything we can to advance it as quickly as possible to do it in a responsible fashion and to ensure that the A's are in Oakland for many, many decades to come.
1: Well, let me go to Chris in Oakland. Hi, Chris.
2: Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, Let's go, A's. but my comment is on the same vein, is let's go A's. Uh, sometimes I see them step out of the box and check their gloves and do adjustments. And I'm wondering, is there anything that could be mentioned about the pace of play? Listen to a game on the radio the other day. It took, uh, I think, over three hours. And i uh, just curious, you know, I'm in my 30s, but uh, younger generation. Uh, don't meet the stereotype, but maybe the attention span for a game that long and just watching guys check their gloves. Um, I don't know,
1: I'd like to take my, uh, take my comment off there with that. Sure. Chris, thanks. Uh, Dave, have thoughts about pace of play? Well, this has been, you
3: know, something that I think has been discussed, especially at the commissioner level for the last, you know, three or five years. And, you know, I think there have been additional measures put in place to, you know, speed up the game. Uh, but you still see, you know, a little over three hours, which is up from, you know, the way it was 20 years ago. I think it's about educating, you know, the younger players on speeding things up and, you know, hopefully working with the players uh, association to ensure that it's a priority because we do need to appeal to younger fans. And sometimes the length of the games can be a challenge, but, you know, sometimes the thing about baseball too, is that it is timeless, you know, that it has no time limit on it. So, you know, it can sometimes cut both ways. And so I think we have to be careful that we want to honor the tradition and the way the game has been played and what it means But also make sure it's modernized in a way that can be exciting for people, and and we've seen it in our TV ratings. I mean, for the A's, our TV ratings are up like fifty or sixty percent, and it's mostly younger people, eighteen to thirty-four. So we've seen an increase in younger fans with COVID watching the Oakland Athletics. That's a great sign. It's the second highest increase in TV ratings in the league. You have a good, young, exciting team, Um, and so you know we want to look at the numbers. We want to look at the pace of play and put all those things together to ensure we have a great product for our fans.
1: Before I let you go, we just have a couple minutes. I did want to ask you a question that I had put to Bill Shaken earlier because he'd written this piece saying the NBA is showing how to honor players and address racism. And I had asked him about you know, whether the MLB is going to continue to be sort of a follower of other of other sports leagues, right? I mean, in terms of especially there were some complaints about how they really did not call off games after the NBA and the WNBA and even the NHL.
3: I mean, I, I think each league has its different approach to these things. And sometimes the timing of things, you know, when COVID first hit, you know, the NBA was playing and they had a positive test. So like they were being they experienced it in a different way than baseball. Um, and so I think it's just important for baseball and its players and its everyone associated with it, to be authentic and honest to the way that people feel and to ensure that, you know, we have a positive voice around a lot of these critical areas that are facing our country, whether it's the economic impact of the pandemic, you know, social injustice, police brutality, all these things that are, that are happening this year that have made 2020 um, such, such an a, a incredible year, unprecedented year, I would say, and so I think we need to be sure that we do it. And I think we need to continue to re-examine and look to other leagues and see how they've approached it and um, ensure that you know we're taking the proper leadership role, both locally and nationally, um, that we can serve. I mean, baseball has long been the place where these topics have been discussed. And I think that will continue. And I think it's part of being the American pastime. Mm. And that's a responsibility that I think all of us associated with the game feel very strongly about
1: well this listener writes watching baseball during COVID-19 has been crucial for our family we get to see Chapman and Olsen's defensive gems and Piscotty home runs and feel excitement and joy for a few minutes instead of stress and worry go A's Dave Cavill president of the Oakland Athletics thanks for joining us and thanks to Jameson thanks Weiss for, for producing this me. yeah I really appreciate having you stay with us for more forum I'm Nina Kim